Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Molly Fletcher, who CNN called the female Jerry Maguire due to the fact that she recruited and represented hundreds of sports' biggest names as their agent. She's been featured by ESPN, Fast Company, Forbes, and Sports Illustrated, and she's the author of five books, including A Winner's Guide to Negotiating and The Business of Being the Best. Thanks so much for joining us today, Molly. Absolutely, Matthew. This will be fun. I want to start with one of the largest transitions that you ever made in your career. So you had spent over 14 years as the president of client representation at CS. As one of the only female sports agents in the industry. Then you made the move to found your own company. What was the most impactful thing that you learned about yourself as a leader during that transitional period? Well, you know, it was interesting. I mean, I, I, I learned, I think, that, that you've got to trust your gut um, and you've got to follow your heart. You, you know, if, if you're closing a gap in the market and you're following your heart, then, then it's probably going to work, right? And so, you know, for me, the transition was super organic. I'd written a couple books and companies started asking me to speak. And I started doing that just really for fun and, and found that the message was resonating and connecting and helping people. And sort of the calls kept coming in to a point that I had to make a decision. And, and I really felt like I was able to use a God-given gift of, of, of speaking and sharing this unique platform that I had as an agent for so long and it was helping resonate uh, with business people. So, you know, for me, it was, it was a really organic transition, um, a natural transition and, and, uh, and certainly one that candidly, I wish I might've started just a smidge earlier. It's been so fun. <laughs> Let's go back a little bit to your origin story. I hit on it a little bit in the introduction, but when did you first know that the world of being a sports agent was something that both interested you and maybe that you had the skills to succeed at? Well, I moved down to Atlanta from Michigan with like 2000 bucks to find a job in sports and didn't have one when I got down to Atlanta, but the Super Bowl was coming to Atlanta, the Olympics, there was a bunch of stuff coming. So I felt like it was a good spot to go. And I had a high school friend living in Atlanta and she said I could stay with her for free until I found a, a job. So, you know, I, I was just doing a lot of informational interviews, you know, asking a lot of people for advice. I always say that when you ask for advice, you get a job. And when you ask for a job, you get advice. And so I was doing that and building, you know, quite a network of people that were really kind to, to give me advice. And as I kept down that journey, and, you know, I think one of the most important things, I know you have you know, rising leaders, young leaders, is for us as human beings is curiosity. And I tried to be curious inside of that process and really learn from people, you know, who were a little bit ahead of me, of course. And, and then um, I got an opportunity at a small agency where I, my responsibility really was to go get endorsement and marketing deals for the few coaches and, and, and the athlete that we had. And as I began to do that, I started to see an opportunity for growth in the agency. I thought, gosh, you know, we could grow this if we could get more players, get more coaches, get more, you know, potentially even broadcasters one day, and we could grow this agency, get more athletes and coaches under management. And so it evolved, I, I think, to answer your question um, as it relates to the agent, because I didn't start at the firm as an agent. I started getting endorsement and appearance deals and then began to recruit and sign players. And, and that was when that agent sort of unlocked. 
You know, I, I think when I realized it was something that I could um, help athletes and coaches with and something that I was potentially good at, and, and it was, was when I began to recognize these are people who just happen to be really, really good at something, throwing a baseball, um, coaching, whatever it might be. And I authentically wanted to help them maximize a really unique window of time. I mean, what these guys and gals do inside of five years, 10 years, is remarkably unique and you can't get it back. It's so special and they've got to maximize it, you know? And, and so once I realized that I could connect with them authentically serve them. And, and as a female, it gave me a unique edge in the sense that I, I looked at them, I think a little bit more holistically. It wasn't to me just about the contract. Certainly we don't, didn't want to leave money on the table. We wanted to get great deals, no question about it. And we did. But I also saw an opportunity to represent a whole family, right? It's a lot easier for Matt Kuchar to stand over a putt on Sunday and drain it when his personal life is intact. You know, it's a lot easier to, for Izzo to walk out and coach a game when, when his world is intact. So I took a little bit of it, a different approach and built a team around that so we could serve our clients, not just as it relates to the work that they do, but um, in, in all the things that contribute to their ability to execute on the court or the course you know, or the field. It's really fascinating. And one thing that I've enjoyed about these conversations is I've been able to ask people either what they would tell their younger self or what they would maybe tell somebody early on in their career who was getting into the space they were successful in or an auxiliary space to it. Do you have advice for your younger self or somebody earlier on in their career, what you wish you maybe would have known or what you wish you would have spent more time on or worried about less? You know, I think my biggest advice, you know, is to, is to be, you know, to go for it, to be curious, to uh, be a little bit fearless, you know, to, to go for what you want. And if you want it bad enough, you're, you, yes, you're absolutely, any competitive industry, it's going to be tough and there's going to be roadblocks and you're going to have to put in a lot of work and a lot of time and you're, you're going to have to get creative and, and all those things. But if you want it bad enough, regardless of the no's that you'll get along the way, which you'll get, I mean, there was thousands of people that were like, Molly... <laughs> there aren't female baseball agents. Like, I, I don't know what, you know, you didn't play. I mean, what are, what are, what are you thinking, right? Like, I, I really just ignored all of that because I wanted and felt confident as I got into it more that I could contribute to these guys, particularly where, where I really started was in baseball. And so, so my advice is, you know, stay fearless, believe in what you want enough that when you hit the roadblocks, you keep going because you will. But if you want it bad enough, that, that passion, that purpose will suffocate that fear. It, it will, it will drive right over those speed bumps. One thing that you talked about, you, you had given a talk in early November, I believe about setting boundaries. And one of the focus areas was regarding ensuring that your energy doesn't get pulled in the wrong direction. And one of the things that you've hit on on a few occasions is how many different clients you had or how many different responsibilities that you had in a given day or a given week. What are some tangible ways to ensure that anyone can set those effective boundaries and ensure that you're hitting kind of the peak performance that is necessary to succeed in any industry? Well, I think you've got to know clearly what you want most, what really matters most, what matters most for you to win. I mean, that, that was, you know, was interesting for me as an agent. I came from a world where athletes, they manage their energy more than they manage their time. Because what matters most isn't that they show up to the field per se, you know, at two or two thirty or three. What matters is that they show up physically, emotionally, mentally ready to go. Right? It's not enough for Brady to get to field. What matters is that he's ready to to deliver. 
and business people, I think, generally sort of look at, at life through the lens of their calendar, through time. And so, you know, for me, when we think about delivering results, when we think about um, ha- making an impact, right, it, you've got to get really clear on what matters most in order for you to do that. And then I think have the discipline to say yes and no, because I don't think um, we can lead, we can solve, we can serve, we can sell, we can inspire if we don't have enough energy. We, we have to be able to pour from a, from a full cup. And, you know, people often ask, my husband and I have three children and we had three in 12 months, which <laughs> is sort of hard to do, but we had one and then we had twins. And people say, how did that work, right? As a female with kids and traveling and all that, you know, to me, it was about getting really clear on what mattered most and then having the discipline and intentionality to say yes and no. And, and I think that's an important thing for great leaders, aspiring leaders, um, certainly to be able to do. I have, and maybe others have a crystallized or idealized version of sports agents. And it's from the movies, I'm sure, about <laughs> these intense negotiations and the, the sexiness of it all. And one of your focus areas is specifically on negotiation, which has implications, not just in the world that you operated in, but it has um, implications in, in all aspects of life. When you personally were preparing for a negotiation, what did that prep look like? Or what are the things that we should be thinking about before we walk into a negotiation? Well, yeah, I mean, preparation, of course, is imperative. When we teach this, we have a course called Game Changer Negotiation Training, and, and we teach negotiation. I, I certainly was inside of a lot of those kinds of conversations. And to me, that's what negotiation is, right? It's really just a conversation. It's a difficult one, certainly at times, but it's a conversation. And so certainly, yes, we want to be prepared. We want to be prepared in a lot of ways. I think one of the mistakes people make when they negotiate is they spend a whole lot of time worrying about what they want. And and I actually think you you should spend a ton of time worrying about what matters most to the other person. Really get in their head, get in their heart. What are they worried about? What do they need? What gap are you really closing for them? All of that, in my opinion, drives connection. And to me, you know, negotiation is a conversation. And in order to have a conversation, you, you at some level need to have a bit of a relationship. And so I found in negotiating, you know, a half a billion in deals is that the better the relationship, the better the outcome and the, the better the quality of the deal. And in fact, the better the relationship, often I could close deals a little bit quicker. And as we know, as, as leaders, if we can get our salespeople closing deals faster, boy, that can be a powerful thing. So I'm a huge proponent, ironically, right? People would think, oh yeah, like to your point, you know, you take the gloves off, you get on the other side of the table, man, and you just go. To me, that's not what it's about. I, I think in order to close great deals, close them again and again and again, if you want to be a transactional negotiator, then sure, that might work. But if you want to ever go back to that relationship, to that individual company or whatever it might be, we've got to build great relationships. I think relationships are the foundation of great negotiations and, and, and certainly preparation to your point as well. One thing now as a leader of your own organization, what are you looking for in the people that work for you? And when those individuals are ascending up the organization or they're getting more and more responsibilities from you and from others, what are the key skills that you notice right away or that you're looking to cultivate in future leaders? Yeah. 
Well, and I feel really blessed. I have an incredible team um, who's been with me a long time, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, there are people and the people that we look to add are people who believe in our mission, and they're truly connected to it, not just in their head, but in their heart. You know, they're people that are curious about what's possible. They're not afraid to push the envelope. They're not afraid to push back on me. I love that. Um, so they're, they're insatiably curious. You know, they're clear too about what they're good at and what they're not good at. And they're not afraid to raise their hand and say, I need help, right? This isn't really what I'm good at. You know, I like to put people in roles that they, that, that they can thrive using their, their gifts, but, but also simultaneously pushing them a little bit to get uncomfortable in a way that, that takes them on a journey as a leader to where they want to go as well. You know, I, I look for people that have discipline. Um, you know, there's times when, you know, you've got to roll your sleeves up and grind it a bit. And in order to do that, you've got to have some discipline. You've got to be able to, you know, put, put in the work at, at times when, when you need to, certainly. So th those, are, those are just a couple of things that come up for me um, that we look for. And then I would say too, I mean, over, any, over all of that, it's, it's someone with great energy, right? I mean, somebody that has a lot of energy and, um, and, and focus toward our mission and the energy to put toward that mission. When you look at the arc of your leadership journey, what surprises you the most about how you've changed? And maybe as a secondary question to that, what are you most proud of in terms of how you've evolved as a leader? Um, you know, what I'm probably, what surprised me maybe is, you know, it's hard. It's really hard being a leader, um, you know, and, and, and that's why I have a coach because I lean on him um, to support me. That's why I have a network of people that I can lean on, um, an amazing husband. And, and that is important, I think, for leaders to have people that have absolutely no agenda, but to help you grow as a leader so that you can get better. And, and somebody that isn't afraid to show you your blind spots, show you your gaps, because I certainly have plenty and, and, and we all do. Um, so, so that would be uh, something maybe that surprised me. You know, I, I think I'm proud of um, my, my vulnerability to my team um, at times because I think they need to know that you need them and that their advice and support is an important part of the organization's ability to grow. And, you know, I'm a proponent and fan of Brene Brown's work and, you know, vulnerability is courage. And I think there is nothing more important. Now, as a leader, you absolutely have to put the stake in the ground at times and make really tough decisions. But I'm not afraid along the way before I do that to be really curious, to be a little bit vulnerable at times and, and ask my team, you know, questions that might uncover things that I haven't thought about. You know, I think, you know, as I said earlier, curiosity is one of the most powerful things that we can do as leaders is is listen, I remember sitting with a woman who was a bit of a mentor for me years ago and she started a company in a business vertical that she really knew very little about. And I said, what are you doing? Like, how are you gonna do this? She said, listen, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna put really smart people around me that are good at what they do as it relates to the core business needs that we have, which weren't hard for her to uncover. And then I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna ask great questions and then I'm gonna trust them boy, that was a powerful lesson for me. And I try to emulate that too. 
Before we shift to the final two questions, you, you've hit on a few of the people that you worked with. So Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz, PGA Tour golfer Matt Kuchar, broadcaster Aaron Andrews, coaches Tom Izzo and Doc Rivers, some incredibly well-known individuals. If I forced you to distill all that time spent working side by side with some of them to one to two things that you learned from them about successful leadership, what would you say some of those resounding lessons were? Wow. There, there's so many, you know, I would say Matthew, the one, and it's the one that I've talked about and the one that I lean into quite a bit. And, and thankfully I, I feel so fortunate and blessed that I, I, I really had a front row seat to peak performance for almost two decades. Because when you're around these guys and gals for so long, you watch the way they behave and prepare and recover and lead and solve and serve. And, and so, you know, what I saw the best do in, and, and I interview lots of incredible folks like this too on my podcast, is they're curious and they're not afraid to be vulnerable. Like Tom Izzo will pick up the phone and call the softball coach of the University of Michigan. Our, our, our biggest rival, I went to Michigan State, and, and ask her questions because she's a heck of a coach. Hmm. You know, Gino Ariamo told me on my podcast, I, I, he said, you know, Molly, one of the, you know, you know, what did he say? Complacency. I think he said complacency is the enemy of success. So, you know, the best, whether it's athletes or coaches, they're always trying to get a little bit better. And they're not afraid to ask questions of, of others so that they can learn. I mean, I said to Gino, I said, Gino, you've won 11 national championships. You've won over a thousand basketball games with different athletes against different teams. People who have stayed healthy and gotten injured. How have you done it? He said, I'm always curious. I'm always trying to get better. So that's something that, that I see and continue to see consistently in, in, in all of these uh, remarkable people. Well, that is a wonderful spot to shift to the final questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, if you could describe your personal leadership style, but I only gave you one word, what would that word be? So I'm not very good at following the rules, Matthew. Maybe you figured that out, but I would say authentically curious. If you made me say one, I'd probably say curious. <laughs> I like it. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? You know, it was from Dabo Sweeney um, and Dabo said, and I think this is cool for your listeners. Dabo said, serve their heart, not their talent. And I love that. Uh, and I've received a ton of amazing advice, but, but that's the one that comes up for me right now. Dabo says to his, you know, he, he, when he thinks about his athletes, head coach at Clemson, serve their heart, not their talent. Wow. That's a powerful thing. Cause it's easy as leaders to get caught up in the things that the people that work for you do to drive the organization forward. But it's also important to recognize who they are and, and what they want most and their own journeys to, to, to continue to grow in their careers. Well, serving individuals hearts is a wonderful spot to close us out. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, you're nice to ask Matthew, Molly Fletcher, M-O-L-L-Y Fletcher.com. And that'll take you everywhere you need to go if you're interested. Well, I really appreciate your time. And thanks to all of our great listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share this show or any of our shows with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. 
Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.